Yes, ma'am. Hello, everybody. It's another Thursday night, and it's Giselle, Sidoni, and Gum. We're back again with our conversations. Um, it is the last Thursday of the month, and as usual, we're going back to our Women of the Bible series. Um, before we start, I just want to say thank you so much for all the feedback that we've had. Um, about the podcast and also about this series it looks like it's very popular um and the three of us we're so grateful for your support for your encouragement that you sent across and we don't take it for granted um and we pray that god will continue to enable us to have these conversations and just um open our eyes to some of the lessons that we can learn that may not necessarily always be um, taught from the pulpit but as we open up this conversation as a group of women with different perspectives we can learn something from it so yes just a massive thank you all the messages all the emails all the comments they're very much appreciated um, and if you have missed any and you want to catch up so far, all the episodes are available on the podcast. The link will be in the group. And yeah, Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get your podcast, we're there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. So diving straight into it, we are at letter B. And today we're going um, to the story of the Bride of Cana. Um, so I'm just going to read what's it says in our book, our study guide that we've been following, and we can open up um, the discussion. So I'll read what it says here. It's relatively short. Um, Giselle, would you mind reading the Bible passage, the scripture reference when I'm done, just uh, so that we have an idea of how that flows? Yes, I sure will. I'll get All that right. organized. Mm -hmm. And then we can get that started. So the Bride of Cana. Scripture references, John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Her role in scripture. During Jewish wedding celebrations, the bride was queen and the groom king. Festivities might last several days or even a week. Her wedding was truly the highlight of many a woman's life. It's no wonder that Mary, a sensitive and caring person, was upset when she became aware that the wine had run out at the wedding feast. This bride's wedding might not be remembered as a joyous occasion, but recalled as the wedding at which the host scrimped on the wine. We have no idea whether the bride was aware that the wine had run out. Likely she did not know, for that was a matter for the master of the feast. We do know that Jesus, in turning water into wine, saved the young bride and her groom from social disaster. The story reminds us that Christ is at work behind the scenes for us as well. Only when we arrive in heaven will we know how often his, his intervention saved us from disasters of which we are totally unaware. Um, Bible background, and it says wine. In Bible times, Fermented wine contained 7 to 10% alcohol. Rabbinic literature prescribes the dilution of wine with three to five parts of water for every part of wine. The drink served at Cana was far from modern wine, which often contains 10 to 13.5% alcohol and is undiluted. 
actually the Old Testament attitude towards wine is ambivalent. Um, the exposure to dictionary of Bible words says fermenters wine was drunk at feasts as gifts. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 25, 18, 2 Samuel chapter 16, 1, there's a Bible references and used in offerings to God as seen, as, as seen in Exodus chapter 29, 40, Leviticus chapter 23, 13, Numbers chapter 15, verse 7. Yet the Old Testament calls for moderation and rejects both drunkenness and a love for drink, as seen in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, Proverbs um, 21, 17, Proverbs 23, 20. The two sides of the use of wine, abuse and proper use, are seen in Amos. God's people were condemned for sins associated with wine. As seen as Amos chapter 2, verse 8, um, chapter 12, um, chapter 5, verse 11, chapter 6, verse 6. And in later chapters, which are filled with promise of restoration, they were promised the mountain shall drip with sweet wine. As seen in Amos chapter 9, verse 13, and that they would plant vineyards and drink wine. As seen in Amos chapter 9. Verse 14. So, Giselle, do you want to read the Bible? Yep, certainly, my dear. So that's uh, John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. And I'm reading from an NLT version tonight. And it's headed at the wedding at Canaan. The next day, Jesus' mother was a guest at the wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus and the disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivity, so Jesus' mother spoke to him about the problem. They have no more wine, she told him. How does that concern you and me, Jesus asked. My time has not come yet, but his mother told the servants, do what he tells you. Six stone water pots were standing there. Uh, they were used for Jewish ceremonial purposes and held 20 to 30 gallons each. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled to the brim, he said, dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So they followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water, that was now wine. Not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. Usually a host serves the best wine first, he said. Then, when everyone is full and doesn't care, he brings out the least expensive wines, but you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was Jesus' first display of his glory, and his disciples believed in him. That's powerful. There's loads of that, isn't there? Wow, that's like yeah. that's seriously oh. good. <laughs> that's loaded. That is loaded to the brim. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm. Yes. Well, Gum. We've read no. the Bible story. Mm -hmm. Um, and we've obviously read what our um study journal says. What sort of jumps out at you? Um, I think what I'm going to go very theological today, guys. Okay? All right. I okay. <laughs> I just want to say that being raised Catholic, and you guys have heard this so many times, 
I've never understood why some Christians think drinking wine is a bad thing. Because to me, I'm like, like this is Jesus literally announcing himself, right? Coming in with a bad <laughs> miracle. No, seriously, his very first miracle was changing water into wine. It's you, it's something that we can joke about. But I've never understood it because I'm thinking we have this thing in the Bible. This is his first miracle, right? Like, if this is your PR move, the guy was like, it worked. In the end, you hear his disciples believed him. So were they kind of suspicious of this guy? So he like changed water to where they're like, okay, is the real deal here? You know, mm -hmm. but I've never, I've just never really understood. Maybe you guys can tell me if Jesus himself saw the need and we have explanations here as to what wine is. Why do some people say that drinking wine is a sin? Or any form I suppose of the, 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 the last part of the study journal we just read is making that differentiation, isn't it? I mean, our wine of today is, if you believe that, seven times stronger because their wine was about, what, five to 10% alcohol. Okay. But even at that, it got diluted with five parts of water to one part yeah. of wine. But our even wine, so, it's Yeah, but wine, our wine today is right? stronger. So, it's stronger, but the same rules apply. You can still drink in moderation. I was a drink wine drinker in my 20s, right? My but then 30s. isn't there also, I mean, I'm just, you know, playing yeah. and, and, you know, devil's advocate here. No, I'm Excuse glad. Let's do that. Because... Isn't there also the, the thing of, you know, that there's the, obviously because like, like they quite rightly said here, wine was used in the Old Testament as well. There's also that thing of not being able to control. So if you can control your intake, fine. Mm -hmm. But there's also the tendency for addiction. Um, and people not either. To to oh, yeah. And, but it says that also in the Bible. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. I think for me, my wine has got a bad rep. <laughs> wine, wine should be drunk in moderation. I mean, I, mm -hmm. you know, come on. Like, okay, you can even dilute that wine yourself. Okay. On the internet, go calculate your formula if you're really that serious. But what I'm just saying is that for many, many years, I drank wine. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I did not really have a problem. Mm -hmm. um being moderate and even if you look at it from a secular point of view I don't know if you remember the publicity that used to happen when people were students and they would tell you about drinking moderation if you feel like you're getting a bit tipsy use coca-cola mm -hmm. and all those things so I just feel that it is it's religious you know mm -hmm. it's very important to tell people about moderation and of mm -hmm. course we see mm -hmm. proverbs and all these things warn us about wine mm -hmm. but I, I I I just think that it's not the most accurate thing to tell people because it's clearly even god doesn't mind a bit of wine mm, if mm. you look at you know i mean i'm with you you know i'm a you yeah. know I'll, I'll drink and you know i mean she's saying you should plant vineyards and drink i'm like what even god is promising me wine and people are like, not to drink wine so i just feel that it's i say this because i've heard somebody like the way she explained scripture it was literally what's the word I'm trying to look for? It wasn't an accurate representation to the right. point where it almost felt like, oh, this was just grape juice. But I was like, that wasn't grape juice, right? But I feel like sometimes people are a bit too forceful with the point where mm -hmm. if people get condemned in some churches for touching even Lambrusco or something that's a really weak alcohol. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was just my point to say that there is, this story illustrates to me that it's not a biblical, it's really not a strong biblical basis for not touching alcohol at all. Mm. Of course, alcohol, if it's um, 
if you drink too much, that's a, another thing. Like you said, there's mm. a tendency for addiction. There's a tendency for developing liver disease. You really don't want to see that. I've seen it. So um, anything in, in excess is not a good thing. Mm. But I think it's remarkable that Jesus's first, first, very first miracle was actually something like that. Dope. Is it with wine? Okay. Yes. Read <laughs> that miracle Gee. completely. <laughs> Gee, what jumps out at you when you read this? Jesus said it wasn't his time yet, but it was his mother who realized that he was ready to step out. Oh, wow. Okay, okay, okay. Expand, please. Again, a woman. (laughs) Mm. Uh Yes. Well, well, really, I I think that says it all because, you know, he does say to you, and you could just imagine him, you know, she says to him, son, they've run out of wine, so what's it got Mm. to do with me? Mm -hmm. You know, it's... And, and some version says, woman, what has it got to do with me? Mm-hmm. Um, just really that he did not, he didn't himself think that he was ready to step out. Right. And That's okay. interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and so you, a lot of us today have got fear of stepping out of our comfort zones. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I never thought about it like that, Gee. And when you think about it, there, Jesus didn't realize it was his time to step out. No, he, he, he wasn't frightened to step out. He just didn't realize it was his time to step out. Mm. And he stepped out and look what he accomplished thereafter. Mm. I'm sure he wasn't a bit scared of Mary. Mary <laughs> no, no, no was, moms it, are right. It, it was like, let me just do this yeah. thing to shut this woman up. Yeah. No, he, he wasn't frightened of his mother. No, he was. No, he was, he was not. You know what I mean, though, right? Not frightened, frightened. We know how sometimes kids are just like, ah, this woman. But it's, it's so funny. If anybody's online, there's actually a, a comedy, like a parody on this, and it's very respectfully done. But it's literally saying, if Jesus, if this story happened in a Jamaican setting, I wouldn't say more, but you should watch <laughs> it. It's quite, have you seen it? It's yeah. quite hilarious. Because it's funny. It's really single. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, if you get a chance, watch it. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Anyone? Yeah, it's quite funny to be honest. Um, okay, well, when I when I read this, what jumps out at me here? Um, obviously, I know like commentaries talk about the fact that his very first miracle was done at a wedding, and we'll revisit that in a minute. Um, but what jumps out at me here is obedience. Yes. There's obedience to his mother, which echoes, you know, the commandment on your, your mother and father. Um, and there's also the obedience of the servants. Oh, yes. So I think for me in this story, when I reread it, and, you know, like, like a lot of people, even, even people that are not even Christians have heard the story quite a lot. And I'd never really thought about Obviously, I thought about, you know, the obvious parallels that are drawn, but I never really thought about this as being a story of obedience. But reading it in preparation for today, it it came to me, or the revelation I got from it was that this is a story of obedience, um, obedience Mm -hmm. to your parents and obedience to God and the servants' obedience as well, because... Mm -hmm. They did so blindly. Jesus, Mary exactly. says to them, do whatever he tells you to do. Yeah. Um, and they obeyed. I mean, he was telling them, pour water into these wine jars. And they were yeah. probably thinking, what's he going to oh, do? 
okay, but we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you wonder, like, who, who yeah. Who knew about him? Right? Exactly. He's like, he wasn't famous. Exactly. Like, what were these guys? It's one of those things that you think maybe they were just being led by the Holy Spirit. Because if somebody comes and just says to me, and sometimes also, I mean, this is me just thinking about it. Perhaps they were just desperate. Because, you know, like sometimes when you're desperate, you're more open to new ideas. Mm-hmm. Like you will just try anything. Yeah, but the couple were, were desperate. The servants weren't. Well, it depends. The servants the were just... Well, we don't know if the couple even knew, right? But I think, how can I put it? If you're in an event and you get attached to it, even if you're being paid for it, again, depending on who you are, sometimes you just want something to be successful. Mm. And you're just thinking, okay, if this woman says she has a solution... We don't know how she's going to do this, but mm. like we're looking left and right, nothing is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So for me, you know, obedience jumps out. Um, and it's that obedience, like trusting blindly without really mm. knowing the outcome. So yeah. they were pouring water there, not necessarily knowing what was going to become of the water, but they were they were following the instruction and mm. That sort of that should echo our lives and the way we obey God and, and Christ, and we should follow Him and let Him lead, um, mm-hmm. because ultimately we should know that ultimately He has our best interests at heart. And even if what we do now in response to that obedience looks silly to us and the outside mm-hmm. world, like hey, we need wine. Why are you telling us to pour water? Um, exactly even if that looks counterintuitive or countercultural, um, just obeying, trusting that all things will work together for our good and trusting that ultimately he has our best interests at heart. I think that's sort of, that was one of my biggest takeaways from this. But going, you know, a couple of steps back, um, a lot has been said, you know, over time about the importance of this miracle happening in a wed- at a wedding. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Go on, G. There's Tell a us. big, uh, sorry for interrupting, but no, go on. Big, 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 big reason for that. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much nowadays, unless it's really orthodox Jewish wedding. But in this day, uh, the wedding, the wed- this, this wedding at Cana plays a big part and us being the bride of Christ, the church, mm. okay? And when Christ comes for us again, we're going to our wedding feast in heaven. Mm. Now, in, still today, there's a contract for brides, and it's called, the Hebrew name for it is a ketubah. Mm-hmm. And I suppose you could really say like a prenup, but it's not a prenup about what the bride won't get. Mm. It's a prenup of what the bride will get. Okay. Okay. Us as the bride of Christ, what we get in Christ is eternal life. Mm. Okay. And also for the preparation of the bride before her wedding. And if we, if we remember that back to the uh, when we were reading Esther, mm-hmm. that uh, she had a whole year of preparation. Mm-hmm. There's a thing called a uh, mikvah. Okay. And the mikvah is it's a ceremonial bathing, a cleansing of the bride for a whole year in oils and perfumes and things like that so that she's ready for her bridegroom to come and get her Mm. 
And that's very representative of mm. our baptism. When we become born again, we go through the waters. Mm. So the wedding at Canaan is all set up for Jesus' first miracle, mm. all tied up to the very end when mm. he's crucified and the resurrection, mm. and then when mm. he comes back again for us. Wow, you get, wow, wow. You get it all together now? Yes, yes. And there's also, you know, wine, you know. Wine, blood, red blood. wine. That's that, you know, and that's that's really at the beginning of his ministry, like you say. Um, yeah. And again, it comes up when he's crucified and his blood for, out for us. Yeah. And that's wine. echoed wow. through yeah through the prophets that's echoed um but sort of what gets me here as well is jesus is invited to this wedding he didn't mm-hmm. just turn up he didn't just happen to be there he's invited, a wedding you know so <laughs> we have a part to play we have to invite him in we have to accept mm-hmm. him um you know i remember there's this I don't know if it's a sketch or a drawing, but you have like Jesus knocking on the door yeah, um, and saying, will you let me in? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't force his way into our lives. Yeah. He doesn't gate crash our quote unquote weddings. Um, he needs to be invited. Yes. And when he's invited, beauty abounds, um, goodness abounds, miracle abounds, um, because we can see it here already. Um, but there's also, you know, a lot of pro-marriage people um, or camps say that the fact that the first miracle happened at a wedding wasn't a coincidence. It was almost sort of to rubber stamp the importance of the bride and a groom as established at creation. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I sort of, I thought, I thought, oh, that's interesting because he could have done it anywhere. He could have done his yeah, first miracle, could have been, you know, his first miracle could have been his resurrection if he chose, yeah. if he wow. chose it to do. <laughs> you know, it could have been anything, but he chose a wedding. And like you say, gee, that sort of resonates with his coming again with our relationship with him and you know that theme is picked up by Paul in the New Testament when he obviously compares our relationship as one you know with Christ as one bride and groom and the, and the church being the groom and and you know sorry Christ being the groom and the church being his bride um but then here as well we have that and it's almost sort of rubber stamping that um what God establishes back in creation wedding between a bride and a groom um, yeah, i see it slightly differently mm-hmm. um in the sense of from a new testament point of view i suppose so mm-hmm. but i think even in the old testament marriage has been the theme i mean there are mm-hmm. times when god talked about israel as his bride right the unfaithful mm-hmm. bride mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. so for me it's more of a continuation yeah but this yeah. is this is the messiah Almost. That's something. Something for me. Not endorsing because that sounds wrong. Yeah. No. But this is like the Messiah saying, 
this is how you, you know obviously just reading like commentary and, and what different camps mm-hmm. bring to the table saying mm-hmm. this is how it ought to be and I know you know from some of the people that were commentating on this I know you know they're thinking along the lines of the definition of marriage at the moment uh-huh. and how that's yeah. been broadened but there's also the argument of one man, one woman, one bride, one well, was groom. Was the really going to contradict God, though, if we're honest? I think no, it, it, it just makes sense. It just makes sense because we know God never referred to marriage as something between anything but a man and a woman, right? Mm. Right from the very beginning, you see the theme of marriage. So I think it's just, it's a very nice continuation. So mm. nobody can say that some people try to break up the bible and say oh that was old testament that was new testament so i suppose in a way for those who want to make that argument Mm -hmm. it's it's actually strengthens their argument because you have people who sometimes want to say oh the old test the the bible is kind of like very Mm old-fashioned or they'll say no certain things about how we're defining marriage now only belong in the old testament Mm -hmm. so in that sense you can draw that continuation so yeah i can see how they would use that Mm -hmm. Okay, and, you know, our story here makes a point about the bride not even, the bride and the groom not even being aware that the the Mm, wine had run out and Mary's behind the scenes orchestrating things to happen. Um, Giselle, I mean, what what does that, you know, speak to you of? Because, like, like, you know, our narrative here says, so many times in our lives we don't know how God is working um until you know the 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 study journal says until the last day when we go to heaven then we'll be like ah see you were doing this behind the scenes and you were doing that behind the scenes and I didn't quite realize it um I mean yeah what what does that what do you make of that well what I make of that is the bride and groom knew nothing about it is again it shows the importance and Two, that Jesus' first stepping out was at a place where it's joyful. People are eating and drinking and being merry. And it shows, you know, it shows that love, that bond and everything between the husband and the wife. Mm. Um, But who would really bother the bride and groom on their special day about Mm. maybe a trivial thing like wine running out? yeah it's interesting you've done bible studies so you probably know it's like what responsibility is it to organize a Jewish wedding because perhaps maybe everything was left to their parents and you know so they didn't even know I imagine they were a pretty young couple things things were usually always left to the groom's father right Ah. and when now, the betrothal, the engagement was every bit as binding as a wedding, because remember back to when Mary became pregnant with Jesus, mm. Joseph was thinking of taking her someplace quiet, having the baby, then quietly divorcing her. They hadn't been married mm. yet. They were betrothed. Mm. So that was every bit as binding as a, uh, as a wedding. And not so much in today's standard with Jewish weddings, but um, when we read the story of the ten virgins, mm-hmm. that there uh, lamps, some lamps were ready, some lamps weren't, and when the bridegroom came, 
some couldn't get into the wedding feast. Mm. Now, what that sort of it ties up with that as well is that in these customs, the groom's father would have prepared everything. The groom would have come to the house and knocked on the door. And the bride, of course, knew he was coming. And if she wanted to accept the proposal, she answered the door. If she didn't answer the door, it was a no. If she answered the door, it was a yes. Then the groom mm. would go away. And she mightn't see him again for a year, but she didn't know exactly. It was usually about a year. And he would go off to his father's house and his father would prepare everything. And his father would then tell the groom, son, go and get your bride. And it would usually wow. happen at night. And he would go and get all his entourage. And they would mm. come down the street with you know, uh, trumpets blaring and making music and making merry. And he would take his bride to his father's house where a room or a part of the house was prepared for them. Mm -hmm. So it's all very, 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 very tied in, as I keep saying, yes. with mm -hmm. the coming of Jesus. Yes. Mm -hmm. it, wow. It, it, it Groom's really father, we need to ask him questions. Yes. Looks like he couldn't, <laughs> looks like yeah. he couldn't budget. He reminds me of when Jesus said, would you build a tower, right, without counting the Yes, mm -hmm. that's the one I was thinking of this wedding. Yes. Yeah. So you so you see, really, nobody would have followed the bride and groom. It would have been the groom's father they would have gone to. Mm. Yeah. Because it describes, I mean, I've got the NIV version, and it describes the master of the banquet. So the servants, in my version, it says the servants take some of the wine um, to the master of the banquet, mm -hmm. and then the master of the banquet tastes the 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 water that has been turned to wine but he didn't he doesn't realize where it's come from um mm -hmm. and so he, then the master of the banquet then goes to the bridegroom and says he calls the bridegroom aside and says everyone brings out the choice first wine yeah. and then the cheaper wines the later but you saved your best to last okay um, so mr bridegroom so you know but it's also that it resonates with that thing of no matter how good you think you've got it, once Christ comes in, you're going to get it mm -hmm. even better. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. absolutely. Like, no matter how good you think, wonderful you think your life is now yes. without Christ, three of us can testify and we promise you that if yes. you invite Christ fact. in, yes. your yes. life is going to be amazing like it's going to be yeah. so much better and you're going to be so much happier and richer for it um because this master of ceremony as i'm going to choose to call him <laughs> master of the banquet the mc yes can't quite believe it he yeah. can't quite believe how this really good wine is Game coming out later later yep um and you will be hard pushed to find a Christian who doesn't have that testimony. Mm -hmm. um, if you fun. find a Christian who is in Christ Jesus, doesn't mean they don't have problems. Because, nope. you know, the presence of joy is not the absence of problems. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean they don't have problems. But you will be hard pushed to find a Christian who has let Christ into their lives that will not testify to how good it is now for them compared to before they let Christ in. Mm -hmm. um, and if there's anybody who thinks, I challenge you, 
yeah if there's anybody yeah. who thinks any different i challenge you get back to me um mm-hmm. info at cwinuk.org <laughs> email it in <laughs> i mean i think the only way you could think like that is if you came into religion and mistook it for christ right so mm-hmm. if you found yourself in a place where maybe people had very rigid rules mm-hmm. and certain things and there was a culture of condemnation mm-hmm. then that is certainly not christ because mm-hmm. i think there are sometimes people confuse the two so mm-hmm. yeah if you feel like oh man before i was just enjoying life and killing them and now i'm so bound by all these rules and i feel condemned mm-hmm. and i can never do enough to be holy then you got it wrong because it's not about you're you in a very um you're in a, an, a place that doesn't really know Christ, right? Or you're in a cult, perhaps. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that, that also speaks to God's goodness, um, his abundant goodness. Um, and our, our, our study book, our study journal makes a good point. It says, the bride and the bridegroom, up until the, the MC, speaks to the bridegroom he doesn't know what god is what jesus has been working behind the scenes and even mm-hmm. at that point he doesn't even know where that wine has come from all he knows is that it's really good wine that his guests are enjoying mm-hmm. and how many times as christians have we hit a brick wall and then things turn a corner yes. and we're like I know that I should go back and give thanks because there was nothing I could have done. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, like, despite my best efforts, I couldn't have come up with this. Like, how many times mm-hmm. as Christians do we know that? Um, and this is just, again, just a wonderful, a testimony to God's just wonderful provision yes. and kindness mm-hmm. and goodness and protection from shame. Yes. You know, like the, like the book says, imagine if theirs was the wedding where everybody, and this is a thing actually, right? You know, African yeah, weddings. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Uh, oh, African yeah, weddings man. is a thing, but you know, there wasn't even enough, enough food at that wedding. There's not enough drink at that wedding. <laughs> Especially if there's not enough, I don't know about other African countries, but in a Cameroonian wedding, if you're going to run out of something, better run out of food. People can tolerate <laughs> that. Drink. <laughs> People, I mean, I've seen this at weddings before where when they are running out, people actually have to run to the store and mm. get drinks. I mean, thankfully, we're in modern times now. You can run to Tesco or whatever. I've seen mm. that happen at a wedding before. Mm. And like Sidonie was saying, when people are praising a wedding, they're like, man, there was so much booze. They were begging us to take drinks when we were leaving. Mm. You know, so it's, I like that they, they, they put the part about shame because sometimes we think that certain things about us are not important to God. And we can almost feel, I know for a fact that I've been there where I thought of oh, some things are just not holy enough, right? These are trivial things I can deal with them myself. But everything about us matters to God. You know, your, somebody can say, mm. okay, it's your reputation, but ah, it will pass a few years down the line. Nobody will remember there'll be more weddings, but everything, even the smallest things matter to God. Mm. Yeah. Smallest detail. I mean, you only have to look at nature. And the human body to know that God is detail orientated. Like he is, oh, yeah. he cares about the detail. He cares yeah. about the small things. You know? I mean, you make the wine better, right? Which is mm. very interesting to me because mm. God could have like reproduced that exact wine 
you know so nobody would know (laughs) yeah just to just give continuity right it would have still been nice okay people wouldn't have known but i mean those behind the scenes would have known that okay this wine came Mm. from somewhere but i Mm. it it just reminds me that i don't know about anybody else but i in my experience god never just does something he always does a bit more so Mm. i can't think of a time when i've prayed for something and god dropped what i needed or what Mm. i asked for it's always more it's there's always I think God just doesn't know how to do just that. He always does mm. extra. He's an extra God. <laughs> yeah, no, God is super extra. I have never in my life, it's like, if you ask God, let's just say you ask God for, I don't know, I'm holding a pencil in my hands. It's a silly excuse. Imagine a five-year-old praying to God and saying, oh God, I want a pencil, right? God isn't just going to give that kid a pencil. He's going to give them a pencil in their favorite color. Mm. And it's going to be a unique design. God always does that. He always exceeds your expectations. And mm-hmm. there is a Bible verse that testifies to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, yeah. And, you know, verse 11 says this, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. Drinkers. The and fishermen. Then- <laughs> but that's interesting because there are some people that need these miraculous signs to believe okay and that's okay because jesus is saying that's okay i've got signs if you want to believe come to me invite me in and i will show you who i am um you know it's okay to have questions. It's okay to put those questions to him. But you've got to be careful. And this is to mm-hmm. all my skeptics out there, because I know there are some. We 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 know because we have some in, in our group as well. Um, it's all about the heart with which you come. Yes. If you come genuinely seeking him, you will find him. Mm-hmm. Jesus yeah. makes that promise. You know, for those who seek, will find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. Um, so, if you come with a heart genuinely seeking Him and genuinely seeking for Him to reveal Himself, He will. Mm-hmm. If you come with a heart of skepticism or to prove your wrong ideologies, you will more than likely. <laughs> prove yourself right (laughs) in that you will isolate yourself or alienate yourself from him and so if you genuinely want to know who he is and you genuinely say lord i am seeking you show me who you are you will find him he will reveal himself to you as he does here so i think there's also an encouragement here for people who are seeking him um, mm-hmm. He'll reveal your, you know, himself to you so that like his disciples, you know, it says here, he revealed his glory. And like these disciples, you'll be able to put your faith in him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not here to deceive you or fool you. That's the enemy's job. Okay. The enemy is the yes. father of all lies. That's his work. But if you truly seek Jesus, you will find him. Um, And this story is a really good reminder of that as well. But it's all going to be about the heart with which you come to seek him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But interestingly enough, Mary 
let's talk about the mother in this story for a few minutes. Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's talk about one of the, the, the mother here. Gee, you made a good point at the start. She beckons him out to, to start. Um, and my fellow Catholics. <laughs> yes. Will use this as proof of Mary's intercessory's power, <laughs> power well, in intercession on our behalf to Jesus. But I think you know, there's there's something here about a mother, a mother's role, mm-hmm. and she's also she identifies something. She mm-hmm. and. Actually, let me back up a little bit, actually, first, because it's interesting, because Mary notices that the wine has, has run out. Yes. And that's perspective. Now, obviously, we don't yes. know if she were related to these people. Um, the fact that they were invited to the wedding means they knew them. To what capacity, I don't know. Probably well enough for Mary to be able to take charge. Um, but quite often, women have perception yes. we are quite often in situations where we can notice things going wrong mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, can't. as in yes. the story it was Joseph that would not have happened <laughs> <laughs> leave him alone <laughs> but, oh man okay <laughs> yeah but it's interesting because again you know as women we're normally in those positions do we do something about it should we do something about it? Because we can not, normally we can see things going wrong, um, whether it's in our children's lives, um, you know. And I think this speaks to the power of us and the and the the, the role that we've been given and the perception and insights that we perhaps have. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that when we notice these things, we've got a duty and a responsibility to pray and to appeal to God, to make it right. Um, Giselle, what do you think? I mean, this is a mum <laughs> sat there seeing this wedding is about to become a social disaster and the talk of the town. Mm-hmm. And she steps up. Yep. As mothers in various capacity, you know, and I use that word very broadly, spiritual, biological, by association, adoptive, as mothers generally. Yep. How can we learn from Mary here? Well, not just Mary, but even there's several other ladies in the Bible that stepped out and did things. Mm. Um, We three here are of the agreement, and I think a lot of people are watching with us tonight are of the agreement too, that Mm. women do have a role to play in ministry mm. and, and in church ministry. Now here again, Mary, uh, she was aware. She knew what was going on. Sometimes a lot of men don't really know what's happening. You know, mm. most Mostly women, we've got our fingers right in the pulse. We know exactly what's happening. We know exactly mm. what's going on. And we mm. can step in charge. Mm. I think it, this re- really should be an encouragement to women that mm. are holding back, thinking, uh, well, I'm a woman, I shouldn't do that. I think mm. this should be an encouragement to, to step out and do it. Mm. Mm. That as long as you know it's from God, 
go ahead mm. and step out and do it. Mm. It's because it's, you've been giving that that perception for a reason. Ngum, over to you. What encouragement is there here, do you think, um, for mothers in light of Mary's perception and action? Um, I think very similar to what Giselle said, and I'm just going to echo what you said in the beginning, because mm. Mary saw that Jesus was ready, even if he didn't necessarily think that. Mm. And I think that's where you see the human Jesus, right? Maybe he was a bit unsure of himself. Mm. And I think mothers, just by virtue of them spending a lot of time with their children, particularly in traditional families, often know mm. their children's abilities. Mm. And I think mothers are really in a good position to shape or to at least influence mm. their children's mm-hmm. destinies. Yeah. So I think it's important because also sometimes that position can be abused. Mm-hmm. So I think it is really important for mothers to, to recognize their perceptive abilities. Mm-hmm. And when they, they, they see something in a child, mm-hmm. don't allow it to be clouded by what you think, right? Because you could mm-hmm. see your child and your child is clearly cut out for, I don't know, a life in ministry. Mm-hmm. But you're like, no, my son has to be a doctor. I can see this, but I'm going to impose <laughs> this. Doctor. And to be honest, he can be both. You know, he could mm. be in healing ministry as a mm. medical doctor. So mm. I think that, yeah, it's, it's very important for mothers to see how Mary handled this. He mm. perceived something. He mm. motivated her son, even when he didn't feel like it was his thing. She mm. is interesting because you don't hear her argue. He just went. Mm-hmm. She literally threw him. In mm-hmm. at the deep end, and I think mm-hmm. sometimes as mothers, that's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to challenge your children how in mm-hmm. whatever capacity. So mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I love that you know when they say that the the the, the Bible is God breathed, right? I love it mm-hmm. because if this story was recorded the way human history is recorded in general, mm-hmm. Mary could have easily been written out of this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very mm-hmm. easily because the big publicity. Let's face it: if the newspapers came, they would have been interested in Jesus. Mm. but I love that the Holy Spirit actually includes Mary in the story and mm. not just like okay Mary told him no it shows that she perceived something mm. she solved the problem so she was kind of like the, a movie director she's the one who really set the scene for the whole thing mm. and like she just said um, I think that's really important again because a lot of the time women work behind the scenes mm-hmm. yeah. in many families the families that you admire today you will not believe what's going on behind the scenes by the women. Mm. And I don't know about other cultures, but typically in African cultures, when the matriarch of the family dies, you know, mm. particularly mm. if there's no successor. Mm. And so I feel that we need to also see that in our churches, um, we need to give our women the chance mm. to, okay, yes, some churches have an issue with women mounting the pulpit, but look at what Mary was able to organize without being in the limelight. Yeah, exactly. So we need yeah, to yeah. come away from the culture of it always has to be in the limelight. Sometimes, mm. I tell you, the most powerful work is done behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. So I think yeah. it's important for us to, and this is this can happen with men as well. Mm. Sometimes some of us are built for behind the scenes. Mm. And if you're that sort of person, be cool with it. Even if other people are not seeing it. Mm. we see here that it, it was important enough for the holy spirit to record this mm. so human beings may not be clapping yeah. for you but god is definitely clapping for but you god sees it so, yeah. yeah and you know it's interesting because just listening to you to you ladies talk and i'm sort of reflecting on my own heart and my own life and my biggest takeaway from mary here is that her son's quote unquote cheekiness 
doesn't dissuade her from doing the right thing. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's not exactly. recorded that, you know, what reply she gives to Jesus, but he actually, adv- <laughs> yeah. he actually addresses her woman, dear woman, why yeah. do you involve me? Yes. It's unbelievable. I, mean, it's I know what yes. that would do to my ego as oh, a mom man, if my son. <laughs> well, the Jamaican version tells you what many people could have done, basically. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But you know what? I think, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a lesson for, for mothers and certainly for my own heart, you know. <laughs> Set your pride aside, set your ego aside and do what's right for your child, but also to God's glory, for God's glory to be revealed. Because she could have easily turned around and said, who do you think you're talking to? Mm-hmm. Um, I've asked you to do blah, 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 blah. You know, you're, not only that, you're addressing me as dear woman. <laughs> probably Excuse me, who's a woman? Yeah. So, yeah, as, as a mother, that's that's my takeaway from Mary here um and it's actually quite profound when I think about it because yes, very. and I love that she, she, didn't, she didn't yeah she didn't allow that yeah. to get in yeah. the way of God yeah. working you know what's that. so funny I think she's just you know when sometimes right you just think I'm not even gonna stress I think she just like look I've got bigger fish to fry here Jesus and this mm. was thanks to him. Yeah, uh, and, and didn't even know what he was going to do, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lesson personally for me as as a parent. Um, but I'd also want a lot of other parents in whatever sphere you find yourself parenting over somebody. There are going to be challenges. They're going to be peaks and troughs. They're going to be times when you perhaps feel disrespected, or you feel like they're not according you the respect that you perhaps deserve or are due as as the mother figure or father figure in their life um but ultimately recognize um that that should not stop you from doing from performing your role or doing what's right for them in that situation but ultimately also in the long term um but that has just been such a packed 11 verses <laughs> and we could go on yes. forever we could um, do. Well, we could, we yeah. could really yeah. <laughs> but god has been so kind and this has been such a wonderful conversation um and thank you to everybody for listening. So before we go, shall we pray? Um, our Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the lessons learned. Thank you for the lessons we have learned as, as um, mothers, as parents. Um, thank you for the opportunity to examine our own hearts and how perhaps we may miss the point because we're so caught up in wanting respect and every other thing that we perhaps feel that we deserve that we miss the mark at that particular point help us lord to be so clear-hearted um and so clear-minded and always attuned to what you are trying to do in every single situation even in situations where perhaps we feel that's difficult help us lord to be attuned to you to learn the lesson and to allow you to work your goodness in every situation we find ourselves in Help us, Lord, as as women to be able to um, use our vantage point, which you have placed us, to perceive um, these issues that may arise, either in our churches or our families or our social circles, but to be able to intercede for our loved ones and our family members, as Mary does here, to be able to petition, um, bring our petitions to you on their behalf and just um, ask you to work in their lives and do miracles in their lives, much as Mary does in this story, 
because we recognize, Lord, that sometimes we are uniquely placed to see those issues, to see those problems, to see those um, things that happen behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Help us, Lord, to be people that are happy to work behind the scenes. Help us, Lord, to not focus on our glory and our accolades and praises for ourselves, but that all glory will be returned to you because you, Lord, are at work. Um, help us, Lord, from this story to also trust, Lord, that ultimately you have got our best interests at heart. Let us obey you knowing, Lord, that you will work all things together for our good because we love you, Lord, and we are called according to your purpose. Help us, Lord, to obey you um, without hindrance. Help us to obey you wholly. Help us to trust you faithfully. Help us, Lord, to recognize that when you come into our lives, the wine will be a lot sweeter than it was mm. before we met with you. Oh, yes, Lord. Help us, Lord, to know, Lord, that you will give us such sweet wine that those around us, will not help but notice and so thus giving all glory back to you help those that are yet to know you lord that when they seek you please reveal yourself to them that they may come to have faith in you as the disciples did in this story help them lord to recognize the fact that if they invited you in as this couple does at this wedding when you come in you will do amazing things in their lives. You will exceed their expectations. You will bless them abundantly. But they have got to accept the invitation. They've got to invite Jesus in. They've got to accept Jesus in. Help them, Lord, to accept him in so that they can enjoy fullness of joy, and not just in this life, but eternal life with you as well. Mm. thank you heavenly father for your grace and your mercy that we enjoy every day but sometimes take for granted this story has reminded us lord that even when we don't know it you are always working behind the scenes for us mm. you're at the father's right hand mm. interceding for us you are there pleading our case before the father mm. help us lord to remember that when we fall on hard times, you are there with us. Mm. We're never alone because we've invited you in, because we've let you into our lives. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for everybody that's listening to this on the playback. Um, for those that are live, we thank you, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would keep us all safe and sound and in good health until next Thursday. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you very much. Thank for that. you, everybody. Beautiful. Thank you, Thank everyone, you. for listening. Thank you.